everybody has to give a service. I think today is what people are looking for is an experience. And when I fly Emirates, when I stay in a Four Seasons, I go into Nordstrom's, I go onto Amazon, I go into an Apple, is I get a customer experience. And what people today, in my humble opinion, are looking for is three things. Hey everybody, it's John Palmieri. I want to thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. Chris and I, you know, I can't express enough gratitude for all the love you've shown us through our podcast, the listens, the feedback, the five-star reviews. Thank you so much. One of the ways we want to be able to give back is we got a four-day intensive happening here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's February 23rd to the 26th. If you've got a company you're trying to grow, you got stuck maybe, a little plateaued, or just unsure how to move forward and how to help that growth in your company just take you to that next level, this is the perfect opportunity. It's February 23rd through the 26th here in Atlanta, Georgia. We'll talk about business. We'll talk about leadership. We'll talk about culture, growth, a little HR, some marketing. Come on down. Hang out with us. I promise you it'll definitely be worth a while. So if you want to attend our class, and again, I highly recommend it, reach out to us at info at 124go.com. That's info at 124go.com. That way we can help you register and welcome you to our class. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk Podcast. Welcome to our first recording of the Shop Talk Podcast brought to you by 124go in 2020. I'm your co-host, Chris Suleme. And just like in 2019, so long ago, I sit here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And we uh, are kicking off with an incredibly exciting guest, somebody who I've been following for a while. I had the chance to see uh, you speak a few years ago. Uh, I want to say it was in Phoenix, and it was um, at an event where they brought you in to motivate and inspire a group of cosmetology school instructors from around the country. And what I got to hear and listen to that day was captivating, Mm -hmm. um, mesmerizing to say the least. No disrespect to anybody else there, but I would say the only speaker that stuck out in my memory from that event Mm -hmm. was Mr. Charles Marcus. And um, he's 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 a salon, he is a salon industry history that maybe is unmatched by almost anybody Mm -hmm. because of the diversity of his story. And he's been able to evolve his career in so many different facets. I just, I just can't wait to get started in this. So first of all, Charles, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, uh, Chris and John. It is a privilege to be with you guys and uh, happy new year and happy new year to everybody out there. Awesome. And where where are you sitting right now? I, I feel like you live in... In a place called Oakville, Ontario. Canada is about 40 miles west um, of Toronto. And if you get on the highway and you drive about another 30 minutes, you'd be actually... It's at Niagara Falls in the winery area. It's a beautiful area of Canada. Is this our first international podcast? It could 
be. Might be. Yeah, it could be. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, he mentioned being close to the winery. I hope you weren't tipping the bottle before we started this episode, because <laughs> it's not today, my friend. <laughs> and actually, I've just come back from Kuwait speaking, and Kuwait is completely dry. Com like, there's nothing, even in international hotels, there's no alcohol, there's no beer, there's nothing. So, all good, though. All good. <laughs> We'll get along without it on this yeah, one. Yeah, that's another story. Maybe exactly, when we exactly. Well, you know, we we want to we want to dive right in. And typically, how we start these podcasts is, uh, you know, John likes to start us out and lead us in a direction. Yeah, I always, you know, first of all, again, thank you for being here. I mean, it's a great privilege to have you on this podcast, and so thank you. Pleasure, John. Uh, one of the things that I think is always interesting is what attracts people to this industry, how they got here, you know, what is it about the beauty industry that just captivates them? And I know you've got an interesting history and in how, you know, you became attracted to this industry and how you got involved with us hairdressers. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about that journey because it's an interesting and, and, and fun one. Yeah. Well, thank you. So, I, you know, I'd like to sort of have to sit here and to give you a great sort of story about how I got in the beauty industry, but it was really, it was, it was by sort of chance and, you know, to go way, way back because I'm an old guy in the, in the, in the seventies. So I was growing up in England. I'm from England originally and yeah, I was at school, of course, you know, at high school and things and I used to have a terrible a speech impediment, terrible, you know, it's called in England a stammer, in North America it's a stutter, and you know, that affected me in a lot of ways, obviously, over maybe 20 years, and um, you know, I was about 16 or 17, you know, very screwed up and angry, you know, frustrated as a person, I wasn't able to get my speech together. And really, you know, I mean, if I have to think of it, you know, in those days, I used to blame everybody else. You know, it was really me out for not taking responsibility. So at 17, it was time to leave school in England. And, you know, I'm not happy with that. However, it is what it is. And I have to thank my school counselor, Sue McGregor, and Sue McGregor saw something in me at that time. I don't think anybody else saw me. And, she, you know, so I had the academic skills, but I didn't have the, have the speaking out to go on to university. I wanted to be a journalist. And she, she told me I was very, very, I was creative, very artsy and, you know, in sort of in painting, in woodwork, in pottery. And she, she suggested to me two things. And she said, um, I, I can send you out, out to Sheffield is like is a polytechnic, like a fashion a college, you know, for you to go on a scholarship and things like and you can be a fashion designer, you can be an artist, or she says, hairdressing. So we all know uh, hairdressing is a kick-ass super career today. However, maybe in the 1970s in Manchester, England, a tough northern city, you know, I mean, it wasn't such a flash thing to do. Anyway, uh, Sue McGregor 
she, she suggested I go out to college and I went out to college, hair college and things. And she said, it, <laughs> excuse me, she wouldn't to forget me. And she would be in touch if an opportunity arose. And I have to tell you is at school, I was judged by my speaking, how I spoke, you know, was prejudged and written off. At this hair academy, I was judged on my talent, smile, and my skills. And I've never, never forgot that in the beauty industry. So fast forward, you know, I'm at the academy about six, eight months, loving it, throwing myself in. It was the days of finger waves, you know, right. setting pink curls up, do's, loved it. Uh, and she called me in her office and she said, Charles, an opportunity has arisen. And John and Chris, the only thing anybody can give you in life is an opportunity. And when you have that opportunity, you have to take it. And if you're not ready, fake it. So she says to me, is this this new hairdressing salon opening up? (laughs) And they're uh, extremely receptive in hiring three or four 17 or 18 year olds who have have special needs or disabilities. And I'm thinking, who the hell are they talking about? It was me. Of course, I had a special needed disability. And she mentioned Videl Sassoon's. I, of course, had no idea of who Videl Sassoon's were. And I had to go out for the interview at Videl Sassoon's. And I remember, you know, from my sheltered upbringing, you know, I had to go into Man- you know, into downtown area and Videl Sassoon, fancy, fancy stores. And I walked in and honestly, um, that was the start of an incredible a career in this industry. I mean, there's lots of other things to say. You know, thank you for that. There's, there's a whole bunch of questions I want to ask you about that journey, if I could. The first one I want to touch base on is I want to touch base a little bit on the stammer that you talked about. You know, you had said in in school that that was a real challenge for you and that specifically, I think if I got this wrong, correct me, you were angry, you were mad, you thought that that maybe, you know, you looked at to blame other people Um, and I think you said it kind of screwed you up for a little while. Um, Talk about that a little bit because I think one of the things that we come across a lot when we meet folks in this industry is this great ability to overcome adversity, you know, this great ability to take, you know, coal and turn it into diamonds. And, you know, there is obviously, and we're going to hear more about your journey, but I want to get back to that route there of you had this opportunity, you know, you've, and, and I also want to talk a little bit about when the folks at the school said that they wanted to hire somebody with a disability, right? Because you said, what are you, who are you talking about? I was in denial, John. So my, so my stammer or my stutter started when I was actually four and a half, about four and a half or five. And my parents were out on a trip, you know, in a forest outside of Manchester. And I was actually 
lost in this forest for about 14 hours. Nobody could find me. And that started my journey, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I have to tell you, I have to backtrack and I have to say the first thing is, and I share my story and message, I say to people is for many years, I didn't have the courage out to do what I needed to do. I blamed everybody else. I was angry. I was mad. I was frustrated instead of actually sort of, you know, I talk about four things. I talk about firstly, having a vision, thinking of where say you are and you want to go. Secondly, is who's on your team, is who's going to help you, is the first thing. I say it's not enough today to just dream in life, you have to act. It's not enough to just think and you have to plan. Secondly, is all of us, all of us have a story, all of us have situations. What you have to be able to do, secondly, is courage. Find the courage to get out of your status quo of your of your comfort zone i say john fear is a reaction and courage is a decision my friend mm -hmm. and thirdly is responsibility you have to be accountable you have to step up and fourthly is you have to make a commitment mm -hmm. and unfortunately those four things i didn't do for many years. If I hadn't met you prior to you gaining that courage, what would who would I have met then? You would have no, met at uh, uh, sort of an adolescent, a very shy, um, loner, um, scared to speak through all the crap, all the laughter and humiliation was written off because what people do in life, even today in business and life, is people prejudge you in that first 15 out to 20 seconds, meeting you, speaking to you on the phone. Even today, people seem to out to make a judgment and of course with me i was judged on my speech in the beauty industry i was judged on my smile and my talent and my skill and that is where way above any industry on the planet this industry is the one that gave me a chance to shine a kid out from the you know, out from whatever you want to say. Um, man, that, that, that is so beautiful. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, are you? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what I'm thinking of is, you know, one of the things I think, you know, I just did a core values class for our freshman class here at the school, which is where, you know, Chris and I are broadcasting today. And one of the things we talk about with the students is this idea of going into the beauty industry and getting a little bit of judgment, right? We get a little bit of judgment from our parents. We get a little judgment from our friends. We get a little judgment from <laughs> complete strangers. You're going to do what? You're going to go to beauty school? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be a hairdresser? And one of the things that Chris and I banter back and forth all the time, and we firmly believe this, is we believe that hairdressing saves people's lives. 
And I don't mean that just for the sake of grandiosity. I mean, I, I really think it does. Uh, I think there are many people who have lost their way or have maybe not even lost their way, don't even just have a way. You use the word vision. Um, and this industry gives that to so many people. It's such a gift. Obviously, it did the same for you, right? Um, John, if you think a company of the magnitude in those days, mm -hmm. Sassoon's like top of the tree in those days, having the the have the vision or the heart out to give mm -hmm. young 17 and 18 year old a chance i mean is that unbelievable right it's it's amazing and and I, I i hope i'm not leading too much or jumping too far ahead but i know you have a story about you know meeting videl sassoon and um you know i feel like that kind of plays a good spot to share that maybe now if that's something okay yeah so i was i was at sassoon's for about probably six months i had a a super job i used to wash the hair i used to sweep the floor make the coffee however the one thing i remember at sassoon's is even if we folded the towels we made the coffee it was always it had to be exceptional it had to be really excellent you know i was earning probably in your uh, about 30 bucks a week at that time sometimes though i tell you guys um you know how much you earn is irrelevant i mean i learned lessons in leadership in in customer service in communication skills in life that have stayed with me for you know 30 40 years i still still i use those values from Sassoon's as a kid of 1718. And at this time, you still hadn't cleaned up the stammer. No, yet. I still, I still had my stutter. However, stutter is a great at avoidance. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, changing words, this, however, life is hard enough anyway. Right. So after I, I used to go home at night, I mean, I was, you know, I was exhausted and I was actually, it's as soon as I was known as the quiet one because I let my hands, smile and fingers do all my talking. So after about six months, and we heard Videl himself, he was coming on a tour of all the salons all over you know the months got into weeks into days and then we heard the buzz i was actually at that time at the toronto uh, salon and i'll never forget that thursday morning and i was on the third floor at sassoon's so the third floor, it was all the cutters, all like, you know, all the superstars, all the guests, you know, stylists and things. And I, and I was the assistant out to Dominic Flynn, who was the international, he was the director for North America, an Irish guy, you know, super guy. And as a junior assistant at Sassoon's, we used to have to wear smocks, a brown smock and brown, uh, you know, trousers, you know, it was very, it was very English. So mm -hmm. I remember he came up on that Thursday afternoon, his beautiful wife, Beverly, 
you know, a very small entourage. One thing I learned in many years, I would think is the only advantage of having a stutter is I couldn't speak a lot, but I became a great observer and listener and to be aware of things. And you know, I think today, many people I see in business and life are super talkers, but lousy listeners. And to me, a communicator, a great communicator is a great listener. Speaking is a sense, but listening is an art. You don't have to be thinking of me right now. I, I hear your I hear your brain. Get out of my head. <laughs> Third floor and he comes up, you know, he looks he looks fantastic and there's all the big shots in the company, the managers, right. all the artistic guys never went close to them. He came over to the back of the room, seven or eight of us who washed the hair, who swept the floor, who made the coffee. Success does not impress me. Significance impresses me. Somebody never forgetting where they started. Mm-hmm. Big smile comes up to us. It's Andy Del Sassoon. It's great to have you on our team. Thank you for being a member of our organization. I remember he looked over at all the management and said, if those guys are giving you a hard time, phone me. A great story if it would have ended there. But because he was such a wonderful human being, instead of walking off, he comes back to speak to all these kids individually. Hardest thing, if you have a loved one, somebody who stutters, is to say your name, your address, whatever. And I don't care how fluent a speaker you are, if if Fidel Sassoon is the number one individual in the hairdressing world is three feet away from you, it's going to be intimidating. Anyway, he came up to me, he said, hello, young man, and your name is, uh, and where are you from, boom, boom, boom. And I couldn't get a word out, I froze. And how I used to speak or try to speak was the, 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 And the more I tried to speak is the worse it got. Nobody in the salon had ever heard me say out to stutter, you know, so, so heavily. Freaked everybody else in the salon except one person. Who do you think that was? He never took his eyes off me. I always say the greatest gift you can give anybody is the gift of your attention. He knelt down, he squeezed my left hand so nobody could hear. He said, it's okay, young man, I've got all the time in the world. That was a magical moment in my life. It changed my life. And, you know, that's, that's my Vidal Sassoon. It still gives me, yeah. it still gives me goose pimples now. It gives me goosebumps and I wasn't even there. We're talking of the 70s here. Yeah. So there's no unions, there's no unfair tribunals. In those days, if the manager 
uh, called me upstairs afterwards, Marcus, you were a disgrace. You embarrassed us. Get out. Who knows where that young 17-year-old, shy, mm. stuttering, low self-esteem individual may have gone. Marcus, I want to I want to ask you something. That that was obviously, you know, for all of us who were listening, a pivotal moment for so many reasons. And you know, as I mentioned a second ago, it gave me goosebumps. You know, to hear it. What did that moment do for you? I mean, because I think we we come across these pivotal moments in our lives where things you know move us in a different direction. How did that move you? What after that moment? I'm sure it wasn't like three seconds later but obviously it's stuck in your mind how did that shape what happened to you afterwards so that's a super question you know it may seem a silly answer john this but it gave me validation i felt i felt whole i felt as though i belonged and after that all the people you know i mean you know all the people in the salon and um I think I, I had a bit more of their their respect after that as well. Yeah. But it gave me huge, huge confidence and a lift. And I tell you, I never looked back after that. Still, I stuttered out for many years afterwards. But as far as in my, in my career, in my hair, I never looked back, seized every opportunity, stayed at Sassoon's for quite a few years, loved every minute of it, every damn minute of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was never a superstar, I was, you know, I mean, I mean, I was a good, solid hairstylist, never like, you know, a superstar stylist there. You know, um, we interviewed Tim Hartley a while back. Oh, that's a that's a superstar Vidal Sassoon stylist. Well, I have to tell you, one of the things that I I really liked about that interview with Tim Hartley is it made me want to go back in time. You know, I I, I looking back, you know, because I love this industry, you know, like you, like Chris, and I look yeah. back at a time and a place, and if there was ever a time and a place in hairdressing that I wish I was at. Um, I, that was it. You know. John, I could share some stories and, and bring me to Atlanta. We'll go for a beer. You got it. But I tell you, in the 70s, and some of those stylists used to walk into work and they were dressed as Napoleon yeah. or like just, you know, or Jimi Hendrix. Anybody remembers Jimi? Yeah. It was just, How could you know, you it, forget? Was, it was like a crazy time in the 70s. It was just amazing, an amazing era. So you, you know, w went through that, had that amazing experience, became a hairdresser, um, you know, really, a yeah, a proud hairdresser. You know, there's two things that are popping in my head, A, through memory, you know, and then B, from just being inspired through this conversation. One is, obviously, you eventually left Fidel Sassoon. Um, and two is, you obviously had a period of time where you faced your, you know, you, you, you took ownership of your speech and decided. And so, um, you know, take us to whichever direction inspires you as far as, you know. Great. So I left, I left Sassoon's and I traveled for a year 
I went all over Europe and we went to India, all these, all these, you know, it's crazy things. I returned to, um, to Canada in 1974, 75 in Toronto. And I went to work out for a Canadian icon in the beauty industry, a gentleman called John Steinberg, who was also an ex uh, Sassoon uh, stylist and there was a chain of salons in Toronto at that time called Bruce of Crescendos and they had six salons all over the GTA of Toronto and they brought in Sassoon stylists as managers either from England and I worked out for John and he became a Canadian iconic legend in the Canadian hair industry completely off the wall, um, amazing leader, uh, you know, a mentor and things, you know, and it was, it was, it was in the era of Vogue and again, of the things I learned at beauty school, of finger waving, of pink curls, setting as well after Sassoon's. And I stayed at Crescendo's for about two years, was a top stylist at Crescendo's. Still, I stuttered. I returned to England and I opened over a period of time four hairdressing salons in my, in my, in my city of Manchester, small hairdressers, you know, maybe seven, eight operators. And you know how I did it, I, I mean, I still uh, stuttered. And unfortunately I was, I was doing very well in the salons, but socially I was a mess. And I was not a nice human being. I started to hang out, out with the wrong, uh, you know, the wrong crowd, doing stupid things, don't have to go into details. And I hit rock bottom. And I mean rock bottom. And I lost three of my hairdressing uh, salons. And, and it was not a good uh, uh, time in my life and I guess irony or fate or whatever I remember in my remaining hair salon and I was living at home I had to move in with, with my father again I was in my early 30s I was a complete wreck and I got home I remember from the hairdressing salon on a Thursday night and in probably this was in the mid eighties and England only had four stations like in those days. And I remember I'm sitting at home and I think we had remotes in those days. I noted the kids listening to thinking, what? <laughs> and I remember it was about eight o'clock at night and I pushed out the remote. And what did I see? I saw this eccentric, Scott's guy, if anybody saw, had the movie, The King's Speech. Yep. Mm -hmm. So he was exactly almost the same as the guy in The King's Speech. And he was taking a class of stammerers in this, in Scotland on a course. And I'm thinking, oh my God. Now, 
these people were speaking very, very slow like that, but they were speaking fluently. So in those days, you know, like it was an email, it was the BBC. I had to send a letter, sent a letter to them six weeks afterwards. And I realized this was my opportunity in my 30s out to seek help and to get my speech together. And would you believe, guys, three weeks before I was supposed to go, I chickened out. Yeah. I have to be, you know, I have to be honest, I have to tell you the good, bad and the ugly, yeah. you know, because a stutter is like an alcoholic or a gambler, they think they're able to kick it. Then finally it went again, it went really bad and I knew I had a choice, I just had a choice, I had to either finally out to do something about my speech, otherwise I think they were going to find me in an alley or something. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you're enjoying this episode. Hey, listen, we've got an amazing event coming up for so Salon. Psyched. I know it's crazy, right? Yep. For salon owners and managers. Mm-hmm. It's February the 23rd through the 26th. John, it's our four day intensive. Why should I come? Because, first of all, we're going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> that should be enough. But secondly, your business is plateaued. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you're trying to get to that next step, that next level. Whatever it is, you want growth. You're trying to figure out how to get there. Maybe you're doing okay. Maybe you'd like to go a little faster. Maybe you'd want to go a little smoother. But whatever the reason is, we can help. You know, we're a company of that started off with four hairdressers. Now we've got 150. We started off with one location. Now we've got six and a school. We've been through it. We know what it looks like. We can help. Yeah, it's true. You'll get to spend time with Brian Purdue, John Palmieri, myself, uh, other team members from the Salon 124 group, marketing and operations and would probably bring in a little financial assistance as well. So um, if you're a salon owner and manager, you're wanting to, you know, hit those goals that maybe you haven't been able to reach yet. Highly recommend you come join us, get to spend that four days with us. We're really looking forward to seeing you in Atlanta. If you're interested at all, you can email us at info at 124go.com. And we will schedule a free consultation with you, you know, to talk about your salon and see if you're a fit, um, if this is a fit for you at this time. So it's limited attendance. So you're going to want to check it out. Right. Hope to see you in Atlanta. Now back to the episode. Well, and I'm, I'm going to fast forward you. You had a question. Yeah, I had a yep. question because... You know, first of all, I want to apologize for my ignorance because I, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, and you'll understand in a minute. What I find interesting is that there's a connection between your personal um, success, right? Not only your personal success, but it sounds like your health, the 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 growth of your company. You you lost three out of four hair salons, and you use the words. You know, having a, a stutter or a stammer was almost like being an alcoholic. And so the part I guess I'm ignorant about is that connection between how you saw or knew that you being able to do something about your speech challenge 
was a direct reflection about how your life was turning out. And when you said, I hit rock bottom, because I don't know what I'm talking about, I never would have equated one with the other, you know? And so for, uh, for those of us who don't understand, make that connection for us. And again, a super question. So for people who don't actually stutter, right. they only see an outward stammer. Mm-hmm. But they don't see emotionally inside how it affects, like you're not able to use the telephone, sit in a restaurant to order a meal, Mm. to have a conversation. So emotionally, it affects every area of your life. And even if you're a very strong individual, and you know for me it just it was just exhausting it wore me down and again i have to say though it was because i never had the courage out to do something about it and finally i knew i had a career i was a good solid hairdresser i was a leader i've had salons you know i love what i did and i realized if only i was able out to get my speech together mm-hmm. and you know at that time as i says to you i mean i didn't have a choice you know because i mean i was you know i was at the bottom of the barrel but i always I always knew if I got my speech together, I would have a career again, I would have a life. And that may seem strange, say out to a person who takes the speech for granted. But if you're a stutterer, it affects you in every, in every fiber of your existence. You know, the laughter, the rejection, the, you know, every, you know, it just gets you down. Yeah. I'm going to take a, the conversation to a different place now because, I, you know, there's, I know there's so much more we could cover. And so I want to give some bullets and where, where we love to lead is some of the nuggets and you kind of, you kind of dove right in, in the very beginning, talking about the vision and the, um, and so, so the audience knows after that, I I know that you ended up moving back to Toronto, I want to say, or to Canada, you became, you became a set, you ended up getting, uh, becoming a salesperson for the company Nexus. And if I'm, if I'm, yeah, (laughs) and, and it, if I'm if I'm not incorrect, you became the number one salesperson for Nexus in the world. Am I right about that? Number two in the number world. Number two. All right. Well, then. I, so you know, obviously, you used your communication skills superbly, right? You 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 learned you learned how to you learned how to communicate effectively with people. Listening in a way. skills. Even to, even today, I say speak for twenty percent of the time and listen intently for 80% of the time. Nobody in my humble opinion cares what's important to you, they care what's important to them. Always make it about the other person. And so that's exactly where I want to take it because after that you had this kind of crazy idea that since you know you had 
sort of top that, that now you were going to leave this very successful career um, and become a motivational speaker, whatever, whatever that meant at the time. Um, so I worked, it's, I worked for Nexus for probably uh, six years and I did everything. I mean, I was a, <clears throat> I was a consultant. I was an educator. I was, I was a rep. I was a manager. I was in the corporate offices for a while. And of course, um, I used to find it very easy out to walk in the salons. You know, I mean, it's the world I'm from. I used to walk in, <laughs> even a cold call. I used to pick up the, you know, pick up the brush and sweep the floor. <laughs> Do you need a shampoo and things? As to me, it's always about, and you've got to be genuine in life. I'm a person who builds its relationships. And I know especially sort of to, to the younger people here, you know, and, you know, email and text and Snapchat and all this sort of thing. But in the world I'm from and today, I think, so I always say is email and technology and text rocks, but relationships, my friends, rule. The profit is in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Love that. And I think that we think because we're talking to people, because there's no listening there when it comes to text or whether it comes to you know, Facebook or Instagram, you know, we're putting content out. We're not necessarily listening to what other people have to say. There's no real relationship building there. Right. John, I always say is there's two ways out to enter a room. Mm -hmm. Here I am. It's all about me mm -hmm. or there you are. Mm -hmm. So you're on this journey. You, you know, did the, you did the hair thing for a while, um, you know, and, and did well with that. You conquered your speech impediment. And I don't know if I can use that word. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've always stayed in the beauty industry in one area or the other. Ever since I was uh, 16 or 17, all, all my moves have been sort of in the beauty industry. And then you, you know, worked for um, Nexus for quite a while. Yep. I had a great time out with Nexus. I worked for Joe Scaglione, uh, an amazing... Nice Italian boy. Jerry Redding years and years ago in the old days. And the store, you know, amazing. Yep. And I got to meet him, actually. <laughs> Jerry Redding, you know, I mean, I mean, a legend, an icon in our industry. Amazing individual, if you read his story. So now I want to talk about the transition, right? So, you know, you're in the beauty industry and in, in many different roles. You, you've worked at conquering your speech impediment. And somewhere along the idea, somewhere along the way, you got this great idea that I can talk to a, a whole bunch of, you know, you went from, I'm having a hard time talking to Vidal Sassoon, right? Face to face. So I'm going to talk to a couple thousand people all at once and share a story and I'm going to assume from everything that I've, you know, listened to you so far, and I know I can add value to their lives. I know I can, I can give something that when they leave this presentation, they're going to be better for it. Talk about how did that light bulb go off? Was it a light bulb? Well, I would, again, I would, 
I'd love to, you know, out to, you know, to share a great, like a story. And what happened is I came out to Canada and, you know, again out to Canada and, you know, I never used to speak about my speech. There's always, you know, even, you know, even after I was, I was speaking okay. I was all, you know, I was sort of like ashamed of it in a way, you know, and I never talked about it. But in between my time at Nexus, I don't know how it happened, but I think I got invited out to speak at a a school and to speak at a women's shelter. You know, I had no idea that... <laughs> if it was a profession <laughs> speaking or anything and um still it was before email and things and i get a call out from a guy called george hamster and he had an article a full page in the toronto star is the number one of all the newspapers of canada and it was in the days before, obviously, the internet and things when everybody uh, always used to read a newspaper. Mm -hmm. And he used to do a whole page in the Sunday Star. It was ordinary people who do extraordinary things. He said, I've heard about you. I want to do a story on you. I said, you want to do a story on me for what? You know, and he spoke to me and he you know, he came to my house, you know, and my wife, you know, and I think our son was then was maybe four or five and he did a whole page on me and it made me look much better than I actually I was. And he started out to get these letters and people phoning him and who's this guy, yada, yada, yada. So, um, some of my friends suggested I go out to an organization called uh, uh, Toastmasters mm -hmm. and out to learn how to perfect the art of speaking. And I went to Toastmasters and then after about a year, you know, and I'm, I, I was working like probably 50 hours a week anyway at Nexus as a manager in those days. And the people at Toastmasters says, you have potential. Have you heard of the Canadian Association Professional Speakers? I said, professional speakers, what are you talking about? So it suggested I go, um, it's out to a meeting and things. It's in Toronto. And I went to the meeting and I loved it. You know, met some amazing individuals. And after about a year and a half, it's my wife and me, we sat down and my wife says, how about if we give you a year or a year and a half, see if you can make it in the speaking industry. If you can make it, that's fantastic. If you're not able to make it, you have to go back to, to the world of sales because we've got to pay the mortgage. And I guess the rest is history. Here I am after 20 years. That's awesome. And so now that you're, you know, I mean, you've been doing this now for 20 years. Now, now you're able to look back with, you know, 2020 vision on your past and kind of, I, I always think everybody has a message and a story that they can teach. The difference is, is looking in there. Most of us, I mean, John and I have these discussions a lot. Most of us take for granted the valuable lessons that we've had 
and we're not able to kind of coordinate them in a curriculum form, if you will, and then extract those lessons. So I guess this is a long-winded way of me asking the question, what are, what are the things now you're out there helping people with? When you're out there and you're speaking in Kuwait or whether you're speaking in the U.S. or in Canada, you know, what, what are the what are the challenges? And I know that you have a general message, but like, what are, what are the needs that people are, are, are getting fueled up by, by bringing you in? And Great questions. So I do maybe three or four areas. So I share, uh, I share my obvious, uh, the story and things in the motivational setting but the motivational setting is customized and tailored, uh, say, out for an organization. I also speak on leadership, on the customer experience, on sales. So it varies. In Kuwait, I was speaking out to leaders. Let, let's, let's go the customer experience route. That, that, that hits home, especially for our team right now. So yeah. we're... You know, we're a group of six salons, close to 150 hairstylists, right. and, and we've been, we've met, named this year the year of hospitality. Hospitality, and you know, we're 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 really digging our heels in to get back to exploding that service experience. We we all agree internally that service has gone by the wayside, or at least has been taken for granted a little bit, and so. Um, Share a, share a few nuggets of your opinion on that and, and what, what some messages that you're sharing. I think is today, I think a customer service is everybody has to give a service. I think today is what people are looking for is an experience. And when I fly Emirates, when I stay in a Four Seasons, I go into Nordstrom's, I go on to Amazon, I go into an Apple, is I get a customer experience. And what people today, in my humble opinion, are looking for is three things seamlessness everything secondly is convenience and thirdly it may seem simple and old-fashioned do you care about me do you show empathy are you going have the extra mile for me are you valuing me right and I think in my world, you know, hotels, when I'm traveling, is the customer service is average at best, is average at best. And what people are looking for, if they're in your salon or anybody's salon, a seamless experience, and I call it the customer service value chain, is every link in that salon, out from the person on the phone, out to the receptionist, out to the assistant, to the stylist, to the manicurist, to the whatever. It has to be a, a seamless experience is every department has to be talking out with each other and they have to be in sync because the number one thing out today is the public are very savvy and they are able out to feel right away if there's a toxic environment 
you know, as Chris mentioned, one of the you know, our big push this year is is hospitality. It's our focus, and you know, one of the things that comes across my mind is how did we lose that, right? Because as a company that's been around for 29 years, and I don't want to say lose, let me take that back. How did that become? Well, how did we as a world lose it? Not, yeah. you know, not even pointing at us. Exactly. Right? So, you know, one of the one of the examples I use is when I go to the grocery store, and I'm gonna make this as quick as possible. The first Friday of every month, I have a manager's meeting. The first Friday of every month, I stop at the grocery store, which is literally two blocks from our home office. Now, I'm notoriously early to work. I get there at like 7.15 in the morning oh, at the grocery wow, store. Oh, John. That's right? early, man. Yeah. And he drives an hour and a half. And I drive an hour no and a half to get way. there. Yeah, to really? get there. Yeah, but here's, here, here, but here's the important part. The important part is, is that the grocery store opens at 7.00. I get there about 7.15. My staff meeting isn't until 9 o'clock. I got plenty of time, but it's on the way. I go into that grocery store. I buy breakfast for the managers because I want them to have you know some breakfast when they get there at 9, an hour and 45 minutes from now. And when I check out, there is nobody at the checkout. Nobody. There's not a single clerk. What they do have is those self-checkout lines. They got four of those little kiosks where you can walk up and you can scan your food and you can put it in your bag yourself, and the machine can tell you you didn't put it in the bag, and to take it off the shelf and put it in the bag, and you put your customer code in, and I put my customer code in, and I put it wrong, and the machine freezes up, and then somebody has to come over and unfreeze the machine, so I can put my, I hate it, I hate it. I hate every minute of it, but it's the only grocery store between you know my home and the, you know, the home office, our, our corporate office. What I've come to the conclusion of is that customer service is not an anomaly. That level of customer service is everywhere. So how can I encourage my team? How can I encourage my staff? How can I encourage the people that I work with that, hey, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be this way. How do you get that message out? Well, firstly, I... I find out about the styles of how a leader is, like the styles. So in Kuwait, or I was in Egypt afterwards, I was speaking out to leaders and I was explaining out before you can even to do anything out with your team, mm -hmm. how are you engaging them? And I think it starts a lot is how is how the leader on the salon or in the hotel, how their style and personality is. It's teaching empathy, it's teaching professionalism, it's teaching caring, it's teaching uh, uh, consistency, it's teaching uh, passion. And if I, think of all the years at Sassoon's, we were passionate, we loved it, we gave service, and here's a word I think we have to put back in, into the customer service, is pride. Mm -hmm. Pride as well, because I think a lot of people in our world, in salons and things, is they see it as a job instead of a career choice and the people above them in leadership 
do not have the leadership skills out to teach them skills and tools out for the 21st century to actually out to understand the needs and objectives of their clients or I love the key word pride there because as I reflect on my experience at the grocery store, there's no pride, is there? None. And how many times are you in a place and you don't see a smile? Yeah. First impressions. If, if I have a think of my stuttering and my first impression in that first 15 out to 30 seconds, why do I shop in a particular grocery store or to go to a cleaners or to get my shoes delivered or to go in a travel agent? It's because I, I feel special. I feel important. They remember my name. Mm -hmm. They care. It's, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication in my opinion i think we make life way too complicated way too complicated if we get back to those skills those 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 basic skills of empathy of caring of professionalism of pride of passion of a smile of taking an interest of actually shutting up and listen you go in your apple store i go in my apple store and i feel every time i go in i feel special mm -hmm. i feel special and there's a and you don't have to be the Apple store to make somebody feel that way. You don't Listen, have, you know, you can go in the 7-Eleven on the corner, my friend, if somebody is, is friend, I mean, it's not rocket science. You know, people are asking me, is there a magic thing? Is there a magic no, it's old fashioned, old schools. It's called service. It's called empathy. It's professionalism. Are you professional for God's sake? Woo! You got us juiced up there, man. I have to, I have to say, I have to change the subject. To yes. here. I used to do a lot of the shows all the hair shows and one thing which really upset me is i used to ask a lot of the students and what do you do and you know what he used to say to me charles i'm only a hairdresser what the hell does that mean i'm only a hairdresser this is a noble profession oh my you know i mean i wouldn't be anywhere out without the beauty industry Yes. An amazing industry. Right. Makes me want to hurt somebody. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's great. <laughs> so I, when I in the morning I used to walk in Vidal Sassoon's in this big fancy salon with all the names and I'd see the sign above. I used to think it was my salon. I was so proud. And how many places and how many kids and staff can you say who walk in a place and they feel every day that pride, pride. again, yeah. I will say it stems from leadership.
It Tim starts at the top. Tim Hartley shared a story about how he used to have a sign in the back room. It said, do, before you walked out of the break room, and the sign said, do you look like you work for the most amazing hair company in the world? No, that's... And ours said, and I think it is a Vidal quote, and he used to say, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. Try ignorance. Yeah, yeah. I right. love that one. So I, w- I, I would say if I am taking all the good times and the bad times and the lessons and everything, and I roll them into six areas. And the first one I think is belief. I think you... First of all, have to have belief. And if I think of my own of my stories, for many years I wanted to do something about my speech, but underneath I didn't actually have a belief I could to succeed. Mm -hmm. Secondly is desire. Yeah. So a lot of people who think in life it's about, I deserve this, I deserve that. We deserve nothing. Life is about desire. How much do you want it? What price are you willing to pay? And what sacrifices are you prepared to make? And there's always a price to pay. Thirdly is focus. I think... Say with all the all the distractions and is you have to be completely, you know, you have to be focused. I remember at Sassoon's, you know, in the morning, and maybe you had those superstar stylists in the morning and the moaning in the staff room and things. But when they came on that salon floor at eight forty-five, it was showtime. Showtime. Good morning, madam. How are you? Nobody wants to hear your crap about your love life and your holidays and your stories. Who cares? Speak about the guest. Fourthly is awareness, is awareness. Smell the roses, look around, shut up and listen. I say never open your mouth unless you can improve the silence. Never mm-hmm. open your mouth unless you can improve. I'm the stealing style. that one. That's that's solid. Yeah, you get credit a few times for that, but then after that's that, right. we're stealing. You know, we gave you credit three <laughs> times. The fourth time, it's mine. <laughs> so the next one. Shit, I'd never have... talk. That's the only <laughs> problem. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is you have to be very. You have to be very out to discipline out yourself. You really have to, to sit down and to discipline. And I say, if you're thinking of discipline, it's the difference between have your goals and accomplishments, are you disciplined out to get the job done? And finally is consistency. What people are looking for is con. Consistency. I say I would rather be consistently good than occasionally brilliant. How about you guys? You know what? Consistently good. Show me a customer experience and I will show you an organization if it's a great salon, if it's a great airline, 
it's consistency, as I says earlier, it's seamless from every department, every, you know, um, Francis Ford Coppola of the Godfather fame, he was asked, Mr. Coppola, what's the secret of making a great movie? And he paused. He said, the secret to making a great movie is everybody on the set is making the same movie. <laughs> so, you of, so you think of your hairdressing salon in the morning and the lights are on, the cameras are rolling, it's showtime. Is everybody in that salon on the same page? Is everybody focused? Is everybody rising above out of their craft and art? Is everybody in the salon making the same damn movie? Love it. Beautiful. Well, this has just been wicked great, a killer conversation, a great. You guys, have, you guys have been awesome. I love this. This has been. This you know, today's been... one of those days where we had a practice if we couldn't make the conversation any better. Yeah. <laughs> to keep it quiet. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting because, you know, John and I teach. Um, and you know, but occasionally you just jump on with somebody and I find myself getting lost in, in the conversation, you know, and, um, and, and you, you helped us practice what you preach because, you know, you bring so much to the table. And I know you've been sharing that, uh, throughout the world for a long time. Um, and I had just heard your name the, a few, a few years ago, the day I got to see you speak. And I believe that day what I heard about you was of the all of the motivational speakers in the world. You were you were somewhere in the top one hundred, which I think is so. I'm so I have a joke about it. I say humbly, <laughs> I'm in the top uh, sixty motivational speakers in the world. And to preface it, it's the only time in my life I've been happy to be 41 at something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming for you. That's right. right. That's right. Um, You know, and so you just had a lot there to share. And I mean, I know this is a conversation that we're going to want to hear. So in the spirit of how we typically wind our podcast down, I mean, there's a lot we came away from. Um, I'm going to pass it to John for a second. Then, then I want to do a little mini commercial for you, so we know how to how to find Charles Marcus. How can we bring you in, um, and and all of those things. And so, John, uh, what are you walking away with today? You know, uh, the thing that I'm thinking of walking away with the most is first of all, I want to thank you for the understanding of, you know, sometimes we're in deep dark places. It isn't always substance abuse, right? Because I think that's some of the things you automatically refer to. There's that emotional trauma that you, you know, so eloquently highlighted with the stuttering, stammering challenge. And, it, and of course, it isn't just stuttering and stammering, right? There are people who are going through all kinds of different emotional challenges that, you know, wreck them, for lack of a better way to put it. But the great thing is, is that you were able to show a path to move from that to a way better place. And the gift is you had, took that pain 
overcame it and then were able to deliver something that benefited everybody from it. So thank John, you for that. Everybody has a story. Sure. As long as we take the time out to shut up and listen. And all of us have a story. All of us have uh, situations and challenges and our shtick and things. And I tell you, I hear amazing stories every day inspire me, impact me. that's beautiful so charles um how do we find you i know you're out on the circuit um i know you're you know you love to go speak at events but uh but big small whatever so give us the details so i think the best way is to out to send an email to out to charles c h a r l e s at c marcus so c for my first initial so charles at c marcus m a r c u s dot c o m or either phone or text nine o five three three o eight eight two eight or if you catch me on Instagram, um, I'm not sure of my thing on Instagram. I think right it's now. Charles Marcus uh, something. I can't remember what that is. Out for the I'll ha- just so you guys know, I'll have this in the show notes. I'll also have, I believe you're on LinkedIn as well. I'll have your LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, you know, no, knowing that we've just had an audience of salon owners, stylists, we have a we have a, a large host of hair school students that listen to us. Oh, I um, love students. <laughs> the yeah. future of our industry. Amen to that. The future and guys have pride and passion. It's the greatest industry in the world. The well, greatest. so I want that's I want to give it to you. Is there anything you think we're leaving on the table, or anything you just you know some parting words you want to leave us with? Oh my golly, parting words. So a guy I have loved over the years, a guy called Jim Rowan, famous American philosopher, and I use his quote, and I want to leave you. It's his quote, it's not mine. Don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. So every day, every day, do one thing that scares you or makes you uneasy but every day when you wake up play the biggest game of your life every time we have one of these conversations i walk away with a little bit more than i knew before i came in and i love that about these podcasts yeah it's amazing uh we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to Mm -hmm. our listeners you know we we, we're watching those listens go up we crossed the twenty thousand mark just recently right um there, I, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review an angel gets gets his wings <laughs> did you know that yeah and <laughs> while that angel is getting his wings it helps us move up um you know it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world helps share the message and if you're really being served by this which we hope you are yep. um you know we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners the other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on instagram 
at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories, and we'll do the same uh, in ours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.